Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? Time for another episode of the Tie and Bob Pod here at GoLong at GoLongTD.com. Uh, I this would be the midway point, Bob, right? If you're going to count the postseason, we're about halfway through the show. Uh, I think we're hitting our stride, right? I think we're getting. Of course, there. we are, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are out of that Michigan win. You got to be feeling pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> complete jubilation rejoicing joy uh, you're still drunk probably from it until 362 more days when we go down there but that was uh that was a massive afternoon i'll tell you beyond belief for me as a i mean we're all fans to an extent of something when it comes to sports clearly that's where uh, you can get your fix on your power rankings, we hate power rankings that go along, but if we were to power rank Bob McGinn's top three all-time sports moments, would that be, I mean, that's probably cracking the top three, right? I mean, you've been following Michigan football forever. Yeah, like I said last week, I think all I care about is Ohio State-Michigan football game. My son went to Iowa, but even if he graduated from there, but even if he didn't, I mean, I'm just, no matter what happens here, man, it's all bonus after this. Just yeah. to to beat that team. That's, uh, like I think I mentioned, my mom graduated from Michigan in 1929. She was 45 when she had me. My dad was 50. And um, my brother went to Michigan. He was a pitcher there. My sister went to grad school there. Uh, cousin went there. I had no choice in the matter. But she taught me at an early age. <laughs> that it was all about Ohio state. She got, she got this, you know, and she just totally pushed Ohio state. I pulled out two bobbleheads from my cabinet. The first two bobbleheads she ever bought me was Ohio state and Michigan. And I hadn't put, I used to put those up all when my kids were young. I'd always bring those out for the day of, that Saturday at noon, but I hadn't done it in years. I brought it up and they were lucky. So, uh, it's the only game as a fan I care about all year. Nothing else in sports, I mean, can ever, ever approach that. That's all I care about. 
And I think you've mentioned it on the show. I'm not positive, but how you consume sports is legendary. You refuse to watch commercials. So you didn't even, you didn't even absorb this game in real time. I was texting your wife, Pat, during it. I mean, I, I was with my family. We we're doing a second Thanksgiving down and my parents and I'm losing my mind for you. I, I, I don't care who wins or loses, but it's an unbelievable game. And she said, you weren't watching it. You were waiting for the conclusion of the game to uh, zip well, right no. on past those commercials, right? It, it started at 9 o'clock East, or 12 o'clock Eastern. And I figured if I start watching about 1.30, I'll catch up right at the end of the game just by zipping through all the commercials. So I print out my stats and my rosters, of course, my NFL prospects. But, I mean, I know both these teams. I've seen every Michigan game, and I've seen a bunch of Buckeye games. So I knew the prospects. I knew all the players. And uh, just tune in like I'm at the stadium with those depth charts and rosters and stats, and then zip through every commercial. Never see a commercial. Like all this Aaron Rodgers State Farm stuff, I don't even know anything about it because I never see a commercial. Everything I watch is like that. The news at night, uh, Michigan basketball games, major golf tournaments, yeah. and all everybody in my family knows, don't ever tell me if they suspect I'm w- watching an event, they know I taped it and do not tell me. And so then I just maintain a news blackout. Uh, never go, <laughs> never go near my computer during those, you know, before I start watching and it works. It's damn impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's wacky as heck, but. Well, you're not missing much on those commercials. I can, I can promise you that. Um, I'm trying to find the game. So I know the Packers would have played the Vikings on Thanksgiving day. God, maybe it was 2012, 2013. But when I was with your family for one of these Ohio State Michigan games, I mean, it was, it was hysterical. I, I mean, you, me and Charlie, your son, we were, uh, we were watching the game upstairs, I think. And you're downstairs. Yeah. You were waiting for the end of the festivities with the family yeah. to watch. And I yeah. think we were just giving you hell throughout. It was a crazy game. God, it would have been 2012, 2013. One of the just batshit ridiculous Ohio state, Michigan games back and forth. I mean, we were losing our minds, but we could not tell a word. We could not say a word to you. You were like, it was driving you nuts. Like we would just, we would just go downstairs, look at you, give you a little wink. And you're like, get the hell out of here. Go upstairs, get away from me. I remember that. Oh man. So it was, uh, and by the way, thank you again to your family taking me in when I couldn't be with my family those years. It that was, was awesome. We miss you, Tyler. Oh my God. I'll never, I'll never forget that. But it was what, you know, Michigan's uh second win of the last 20 years, something like that against Ohio state, maybe the third. We're two and 15 now in the last 17. <laughs> and the one coach we defeated before this one was Mr. Luke fickle, the interim, uh, head man there for the Buckeyes. Did you catch Seneca Wallace's Jim Harbaugh story on the go long podcast a few weeks ago? We, uh, no, I didn't. We chatted with him about, so we he was talking about what led to green Bay and Jim Harbaugh was the 49ers coach at the time. And, uh, he, he did not have nice things to say about Mr. Harbaugh. Basically in his words, Jim Harbaugh publicly said that Seneca Wallace, I believe was considering retirement and Seneca Wallace was like, that's, that's not true. Um, Uh And Seneca Wallace knew that Harbaugh only brought him in 
to convince Colt McCoy to take a pay cut. That's the only reason Seneca Wallace was with the 49ers is bait. So McCoy uh-huh. would take less money to stay. So, yeah, I don't know. You hear stories like that with Harbaugh from time to time. You know him much, yeah. much better than I do. He's there still. Let's bring this up. <laughs> so, Tyler, let's bring this up. Um, we're going to lead into Michael Cohen, our mutual buddy and former colleague, right? Who's now yeah, we got to be teasing the hell out of his stuff. So he's at the Detroit Free Press covering Michigan football and basketball and doing a fantastic job, by the way. He started September 1. But in the postgame presser, Harbaugh said something to the effect that some people who hit a triple don't know how they got to third base. And nobody really quite understood it, including me. So I asked Cohen, and he asked around yesterday over at the facility at Michigan. And here's what Mike said. He emails me this morning. He said it was a direct shot at Ryan Day. Harbaugh was implying that Day thinks he's a big-time coach, when in reality he started his career at third base by getting the OSU program handed to him. It's like calling someone a trust fund baby. He doesn't think Day put in the work necessary to be where he is today. Wow. That's it. Yeah, that's it is right. It was personal for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, that, that, that quote is all personal. So, I don't know. I have a hard time making that leap. Like, Ryan Day is in that position for a reason, right? Like, you're not you're not the coordinator of the Buckeyes because you know, you're, you're pumping gas down here at Antones and Salamanca. Like you, <laughs> you're talented. You're good. You earned that job. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody is technically handed a job. I mean, inherited and he's won a lot of games. He's kicked your ass, Jim Harbaugh. So I don't know, I guess I like it. I'm not going to like poo poo the comments because we want authenticity and we want passion and, we want to know what people really think, but anyways, so I, congrats, Bob. I, one more thing. I turn on in the Arbor sports talk radio show when I'm going to buy the newspaper this morning, the last two mornings, these guys are just gloating on there. And I hate that. Learn how to win, learn how to lose. It just absolutely sickens me. What do you think the atmosphere is like in the Ohio state football building right now? And what do you think it's going to be like 362 days for me in the horseshoe? This rivalry will never end. I think it's the greatest rivalry in sports. Packers Bears play twice a year. Red Sox Yankees play, what, 20 times a year. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to Mike Cohen about the Premier League in England, English soccer. He doesn't think there's anything like it. Alabama, Auburn's a little too regional. You get bordering, borderline states here, Ohio, Michigan. They've won more games I know, than anybody in NCAA history. They've dominated the Big Ten from the word go. There's so much hatred. There's personalities. And there's hate, horrible hate on both sides. I don't know. What would, could you think of another? You're absolutely right. You're going to get a, a different level of passion, a different level of hatred in college sports. You just start. Like, and, and I'm not even like as big – proponent of collegiate athletics like I'd, I'd much rather watch an NFL game but when it comes down to I, mean, I guess you know somebody put this out there outside of just the talent college sports day a day like Saturday everything else is better I mean really um but this is to your point on the hatred between Ohio State and Michigan 
that this came across the feed. Um, I, I can't remember who reported it. It, it might have been a gosh, it might have been a radio show, but apparently, um, Ohio State fans that booked their rooms in Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game are refusing to give up their rooms. They're eating the money so Michigan fans can't go. <laughs> 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 yeah like out of spite they they refuse to give up those rooms so they can't go oh, oh the valenti show there you go yeah isn't that great i yeah, love i mean that's awesome you're willing like right around the holidays too right everybody's trying to watch what they're spending and you know christmas is around the corner nope i'll eat these three four hundred dollars just so you can't take this room it's, yeah it's incredible so Saturday they play Iowa. Pat and I we bought tickets. We're going into Detroit to see the MAC title game. We got Kent State and Northern Illinois at noon, and then the Big Ten title game at eight. So we'll be home. So we'll be watching the MAC top prospects here, Tyler, on Saturday. That is magnificent. I love it. You guys are just world travelers at this point, living mm-hmm. it up. It's a beautiful thing. And you saw the you saw the lions and bears battle it out, you know, on Thanksgiving Day. Just we a, did an, an epic, epic duel. Whew. All right, they don't want to hear us talk about the lions and the bears on this podcast. Nope. nope. At least I don't think. So, Green Bay had a football game. Uh, played the Los Angeles Rams, um, a team that lost at Lambeau Field in the divisional playoff round last season. And and what have they done since? Well, they gutted their draft capital for Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey before that, but Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham. Imagine being a college scout for the Rams. And maybe you do know college scouts with the Rams. I would love to catch one of them in an honest moment on what they think about their employer, basically rendering them – I mean, useless is a strong word, but they really don't mean a hell of a lot to the current team building of that franchise. They just don't. They don't care about picks. They're just giving them away. But they did all that so they could beat the Packers. So they would be a better football team right now than they were in the playoffs last season. And I, I mean, what, what, whatever public relations firm is behind uh, the Matthew Stafford hype machine, um, man, props to them because – into this season, you would have thought this guy was bound for Canton. He's, he was 74-90-1 as a Lions starter. He gets hurt all the time. He he throws back-breaking picks. I get it. Amazing arm. Unbelievably talented. You're probably going to refute all this in two seconds. I can see it in your eyes, Bob. Stafford is Stafford. Stafford is – I don't care what you do. Go get Von Miller. Go get all these – get whoever you want. He is the same player. He is going to throw that pick six – down 30-17 to Rasul Douglas that cost this team the game. It's just going to happen. He's not going to be able to string together three, four wins and win a Super Bowl. So I think Sean McVay, I think Les Snead, I think they uh, set the franchise back. I, you know, let's play this if they win a Super Bowl so everybody can just stuff it in my face, please. I, I will be shocked if they win the Super Bowl. I just can't see it, and it's going to be awfully difficult for them to pick up the pieces and rebuild. I'm probably overreacting to one game, but I'm watching this game. And that's all I could think about is how this Rams team was built versus how the Packers are built meticulously through the draft, through just shrewd signings that they've made mid season. And I think these two teams 
are on two different trajectories? Um, yeah, in the last 10 years, Green Bay's had Rodgers and they've not been to one Super Bowl. And they've done it, as you say, meticulously, conservatively, holding their draft picks. And That's very not, true. They've not even been back to a Super Bowl. Now, this year, they're kind of all in. They've, uh, to an extent, they've signed a lot of veteran guys. When people get hurt, they go to the veterans. They made a play for Beckham. Um, fortunately for them, they, they got off of Beckham and he went to the Rams. I don't think that's going to work. I'm not uh, defending Ted Thompson either, too. I'm more so talking about these last couple of years with what Gutekunst's done, for sure. Yeah. But I, I, to your point, I get it. It's... So Stafford, yeah, he didn't play well. Um, he's got unreal arm talent. He's in the same league as Aaron Rodgers in that department. <clears throat> um, their offensive, I mean, we'll get into all this, but their offensive yeah. line is shaky, really shaky. And uh, the, they couldn't handle a Green Bay pass rush. And Stafford had people bouncing around them. And they lost their running back early in acres, and they don't have a power run game. And they are what they are. You know, we've talked about, the importance of running the football in 2021. Ironically, it's kind of based off of that Brandon Staley um, too deep look that he kind of popularized with the Rams and all other teams are copying it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's begging you to run the football here in Buffalo. They're just begging the bills to run the football, whoever they play. So ironically enough, like they aren't built for that. They're kind of, they are kind of softer. You know what I mean? At least, at least in the heyday, the heyday, when they were at their best with uh, Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, it was like they were playing downhill. They had that outside zone work and they were physical. Yeah. And um, they, they definitely had a distinctive brand where now it's like they want to spread you out. They want to throw it all over and teams are going to sit back. I am looking forward to hearing how Green Bay kind of defended Stafford. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, it, they don't really have that. Your acres going down to hurt. Um, but they don't they don't have that presence of a running game. The Packers, meanwhile, with our good pal AJ Dillon, do they do. Uh, and the center and the two guards for the Rams are uh, just really below average players. And, and so I don't know. Uh, you know, certainly Tampa Bay and Arizona, I think, are in San Francisco are uh, stronger playoff uh, threats to Green Bay than the Rams are. Well Despite said. Aaron Donald, and we'll get into Aaron Donald, that man is one amazing football player, but we'll talk about that. And if subscribers missed it, Bob McGinn's story on Aaron Donald will tell you everything you need to know about his rise, about skepticism around him, and, and why he's just different. I mean, his brain is just different, and I, I'm sure you'll break those plays down. So, all right, you know, without any further Adieu, let's get to it. Packers 36, Rams 28. Uh, I don't even think it was as close as that score was. Bob, take it away with your positional dissection. A few opening remarks, you know. I mean, Matt LaFleur, um, he he got the best of Sean McVay. He neutralized Jalen Ramsey. To an extent, Aaron Donald, he did neutralize him. We'll get into that. But And Von Miller and uh, Leonard Floyd, and won the game as a result. The Rams were a two-point favorite. Boy, that was surprising to me. I just, I did not see that. 
Why? Injuries on the road. I have no idea why. It's just, I think people are underestimating Green Bay. They see the point differential. Even now they're at plus 41, which is eighth best in the league. You know, they see where they rank 15th on a whatever. That was a, that was a, an off spread. Um, Green Bay had six starters down. The Rams had three. Boy, the way, I just want to mention this too. I couldn't believe how McVay tried to win this game. Um, Cooper Cup and the tight end Higby, they both played 100% of the snaps, 62 snaps. You just never see that from those positions. I look at this stuff, you know, I mean, every week for 10 years, I've had snap counts. Um, Jefferson, the the other wide receiver, Van Jefferson, sat out one snap. Beckham only missed one snap. Aaron Donald played 81 of 82 snaps. Are you kidding me? Greg Gaines missed only five. He played 77. Even Von Miller coming off with a bad ankle played 74%. So they went all in. They went just desperately trying to win this game, and they didn't get it done. All right, let's get to the the positional. Uh Tyler, I got to find my footballs. Better stop at a second. <laughs> All right. Go find those damn footballs. I'm hitting pause. We have retrieved the footballs. Take it away, Bob. Yeah. All right. So the football totals, the receivers got four. The O-line got three and a half. The QBs got four and a half. The running backs got three. The D-line got four. Linebackers four, DBs three and a half, kickers got two, special teams three, overall four, stars of the week, number one, Aaron Rodgers, number two, Rashawn Gary, and number three, Adrian Amos. And um, before everybody, Rasul Douglas is, would be in there four or five with like uh, Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Um he had some bad plays too, and uh, it's not just uh, just not the good plays. It's bad plays as well. All right, receivers, eighty-two possible plays. That's eight more than they had in any game this year. Eighty-two. Boy, it was a long tape watch yesterday, Tyler. Okay, <laughs> I mean Green Bay played Devontae Adams eighty, eighty out of eighty-two. Then we're down to uh, MVS five seven. Alan Lazard, 53. Cobb played 19 before he got injured with a groin at the end of the half. St. Brown, 26. Amari Rogers, 2. And the tight ends, Mercedes Lewis, 33, 18 with his hand down. Tyler Davis, 3, 2 with his hand down. And, uh, and that's it. All right. So I thought it was interesting. Adams was eight for um, 104. But this wasn't like when you were on the beat, when Mike McCarthy and Rogers shied away from Richard Sherman in Seattle. You remember those moments, Tyler? Yeah, he didn't even look or throw or do anything to that side of the field. No. And then Sherman laughed at Rogers was there crossing paths after that game. There's that classic picture. Yeah. Week, week um, one, I want to say, of 2014. Okay. Um, 
Well, in this game, Rodgers eight or Adams eight catches against Jalen Ramsey in man or match coverage, whatever you want to call it. He caught five against him for 41. I thought Adams was really good. He's so smart. He knows where the doubles are. He uh, He's just so smart in addition to talent and size. I even saw him throw some some a crackback block, which was pretty impressive. I think it was on the safety uh, Taylor Rapp, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he beat Ramsey on a third and five against bump coverage on a slant for seven. Penalty on Ramsey on the play for hands to the face was a heck of a play. Um, Adams got lucky. He fumbled trying to reach for the goal line down there on the one. He was down by contact, but some of these guys that had that ball been fumbled into the end zone, it would have been a touchback rather than a touchdown on the next play or next couple plays. You've got to be careful down at the one. You cannot get greedy and selfish doing that. Um, he was the number two over on the left side on a three-by-one set, stutter and go against uh, 21, that Dayon guy, the little uh, nickel corner kind of a guy, 43 yards. It was a hell of a route. He made a terrific catch on a bootleg on a low ball for 10. So he was very impressive. Um, Randall Cobb was had a terrific game here. It's been kind of quiet for a few weeks. Boy, on a just your really quick hands, uh, just snatching the ball on an in route for seven, right in front of um, Taylor Rapp, the uh, the free safety. Just great hands on that one. He ran a seam route against. Uh, I'm sorry, a 50, it was a 54-yard gain on a seam. He eludes Rapp right away, uh, gained 38 yards after the catch. The guy is really running fearlessly and hard and north-south. Um, he goes in kind of – he's lined up in the backfield. He goes in a jet, uh, jet flaming off to the left. Again, the Rams just don't get their defense horizontally enough. He gains 27 yards. He made Darius Williams and the other corner miss, gain an extra nine on the thing. Then they put him in the backfield. He runs a choice route coming out of there against Rapp for the touchdown. That's when he got injured. So an outstanding performance by Cobb in 19 plays. He had a lot of impact. On the other side, Alan Lazard had a complete lack of impact. Down in the he couldn't separate deep one time against Williams. And then he had two chances in the, in the red zone from the 11 yard line in the third quarter. Um, you could maybe, if you're a tough grader, you could drop him. You could hit him with a drop on that post. And then the next play was a slant and goal. Um, just couldn't get clear and the ball sailed over his head. I don't think Rogers liked the route. and He just threw the darn thing away. MVS, uh, he beat Williams on a corner route for 28. But then later on in that game, the quarterback didn't like his effort. And I guess I didn't really like his effort all that much either. Uh, go get that ball on a, the, the, one of those, one of the two, what, especially the long one down the, down the, the border, the uh, boundary. Show the extra gear. He's got the extra gear. Just go get the darn thing. Again, Amari Rogers is a non-factor. Um, St. Brown, 
I like him. Um, he was cut and he's come back. He's a big body. He can run. That guy's still got a, quite a future. So if they were to lose Adams or something like that, or MVS St. Brown is a guy that I think uh, Rogers really trusts. And I think this guy's ready to really come on the scene. They drafted three wideouts that year. Can't remember the other two offhand. They, they both busted. And this guy's still got a chance to make it. Uh, tight ends. Um, well, we'll get to, I'm going to continue to talk about Degara and Daphne with the RBs. Mercedes Lewis, he fumbled on that. Uh, I can't remember if it was a check down or a screen. I don't know. Holding the ball way loose. He was lucky that Nijman came behind him and made the recovery. The kid was hustling. So that's it at the receivers, Tyler. Um, a pretty good effort. Not great. Pretty good, though. Oh, to bring a big picture, let's not forget what people were saying for five, six months all offseason, that the quarterback, many thought, had a right to be pissed off at management for a lack of going for it, a lack of surrounding him with weapons. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to come out himself and declare this all. He's not going to publicly criticize a teammate, but through surrogates, through anonymous sourcing, he accomplished that. On the other hand, you had the Rams. On the other hand, you had a team that was quote unquote going for it, that they they had Cooper Cup, they had previously signed Robert Woods, and then this midseason, actually before Robert Woods even tore his ACL, they added Odell Beckham. I mean, they're going for it in every way, signing veterans all over the place. I mean, what a case study. I know it's at Lambeau Field. I don't know, maybe it's different in LA, although home field advantage hasn't really amounted to a hell of a lot in the NFL this season. What do you think about that all now? I mean, I think we've got enough of a sample size here to declare uh, if the quarterback does have enough weapons around him. When you do see on the same field a team doing everything they can, apparently. Uh, I, I get it. It wasn't pretty. That's, I'm glad you brought up that Marquez Valdez-Scandling play. Um, as our listeners know, I am very pro-MVS, and I think you're in agreement. Adding Odell Beckham Jr. would have stifled his uh, snaps, his his role a little bit. So you don't want to do that, but you know that that's a play he'd probably like to have back. But o- overall, e- even with Lazard kind of being a blocking receiver, um, there is more than enough, right? Is, is it, can't everybody just agree on that? Even the harshest critics of how this team was built. They've always had more than enough weapons, and they've always had more than enough offensive linemen. They've had some deficiencies on defense in terms of personnel, but offense, they've always had the people around Favre and uh, Rodgers. It's just the way it is. Yeah, they haven't had to draft wideouts in the number one because all these number twos have come through. It's just, it's a silly old story, Tyler, you know, and um, they got enough people and they do not need Odell Beckham Jr. They're lucky that their overture for this guy fell short. They do not, it would have been, it, it would have broken up the chemistry. The guy hurts his back a little bit and he's out there gimping around, falling down, going fetal after he catches a ball. That doesn't play in Green Bay in this time of year. He would have been a joke up there this time of year. It would have been a mess. That's sad. So even uh, there were, you know, and I was a, a fan at the time, but I, I can remember some leaner years for Brett Favre where, I'm looking at 
you know, you got Bill Schrader out there, Corey <laughs> Bradford. Uh, who else was kicking around then? Well, let me. In 2005, their leading wideout when they went four and twelve was that Chapman. Antonio what Chapman. Name? What was the first name? Antonio Chapman. Yeah, yeah. He was right. But at least Walker. they had drafted Javon Walker by then, right? At least they went out and tried to. And Donald Driver had emerged. I'm talking about yeah. right when Frank was kind of on the physical decline and before that all that there were there were a couple leaner robert ferguson didn't amount to much but you're saying there was talent though they he had enough every year tyler every year there's been an outstanding at least one outstanding receiver uh, since wolf holmgren and Favre took over that first year they had sterling sharp and then you go to brooks freeman come on driver walker i mean all these second round picks we know them all yeah. It's absurd. I'm just trying to antagonize you a little bit here. All right. I'm Let's go to the O-line, T. So the O-line from left to right, we know the we know the names. Night, well, no, we don't. Uh Nijman's in there at left tackle. You got uh, Runyon at left guard, Patrick at center, the right guard is Mr. Newman, and the right tackle is Mr. Turner. Three starters down, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Myers, okay? You know, what did I give him? A three, three and a half? I can't remember, wherever it is. Um, three and a half, yep. Yeah. They're up against an all-star front, right, with these three guys. Uh, the Rams would have been better. Of course they would have been better, but they had Joseph Day. Their really good nose was out, so they had to play Gaines, who's okay, but they had no depth at all. Um, this offense worked really because of Aaron Rodgers, and we'll get into that later, but it wasn't what the offensive line did. It's what Aaron Rodgers did to massage and command that pocket. I gave Rodgers a four and a half. I was thinking about a five. Um, all right, so let's go to the old line. Okay. Aaron Donald. Um, I gotta get this. Okay. Donald, Donald had five pressures by my count, which is a lot. I mean, I'm a conservative pressure giver. And he had six tackles. All right. He played really well. But I didn't know how well he played just watching the game until yesterday. Oh, by the way, uh, Miller had one and a half pressures, as did Floyd. So those guys had a total of eight but they weren't really that big of factors again, primarily because of Rogers in the floor, but I've never done this Tyler, but I had watched before I did that story on Donald for the McGinn files for us. I watched the two games I had taped. I watched him play against Houston and Detroit every play in those games. They almost lost to Detroit and then they killed Houston. Um, Detroit did a great job against them that day, much better than Green Bay did. But against Houston, it was a route, and I didn't think he gave great effort all the time. But in this game, obviously, I read Donald's uh, transcript last week before this game, and he remembered the playoff game last year when he had the rib damage and was sitting out at halftime, and he was just a shell of himself. He was pushed around by these guys. The Packer linemen last year, they even took mercy on the guy. They would lock up with him, and then they just let him go. They let him stand there. He, he was useless. So he was so jacked to play in this game. And 
like I said, I didn't know what Donald did until I watched that tape. What a performance. What a player he is, Tyler. I counted the times when he just destroyed blockers and the ball was away, it was delivered by Rodgers, or the ball was run away from him. And I counted 12 times he just destroyed John Runyon, the left guard, and four times he destroyed Royce Newman, the right guard. In Runyon's case, the running plays were three and the pass plays were nine. I mean, and it got worse for Runyon. Runyon lacks strength and he's a finesse guy anyway. And he just, he just started losing everything after a while. Um, he just could hardly even touch. It was like old lay time. Runyon will learn from this. And I can just imagine what he was talking to his teammates in the, in the locker room after that game about facing Donald and what Donald did to him. And again, thanking his lucky stars that he had Rogers delivering the ball on time and that he had Lafleur not permitting Rogers to hold the ball and to, you know, the running game, Rogers at the line of scrimmage running away from Donald and Lafleur calling all this quick stuff. Um, I mean, the ingredients were there for a disaster for that front. And again, Newman couldn't handle them either, but uh, he was over Runyon more than Newman. Okay, so I don't know. All right, so the guards were, were shaky to say the least. Um, the total pressures, um, three and a half for Newman, two and a half for Nijman, one and a half for Runyon two for Turner and one half for Patrick and the bad runs one and a half each for Runyon and Newman, and then one each for Nijman, Patrick and Turner, but it never was that terrible. I got to give the outside guys deserve quite a bit of credit. Nijman and, and Turner. Nijman, he's got, he's a young guy. This is what the fourth game he's played. Yeah. His fourth, fourth game. I like him, Tyler. He's a big body. He's 6'6", 320, and he's got feet. His arms aren't that long, if I remember when we went through that, when he started playing. But the guy, he kick steps really quick. He's got to be careful because he's going to get called for being a false starting because he was kick stepping so fast trying to stay in front of primarily Miller. Oh, and Floyd. They, those guys are switching sides. Um, but I like him. Um, he never got killed for a sack. The only sacks on Rodgers when he tried to run through. So no sacks. Nijman got knocked back a lot. Miller tried to bull rush him on a kind of a sloppy field or not a real great footing field. But again, the guy would anchor up just enough and then the ball was away. With another quarterback, yeah, there could have been four or five sacks against Green Bay, but here Rodgers won the day. Nijman hustled to make that recovery we talked about. On the goal line, on a carry for no gain, he was laid off the ball, and that's why his man beat him across his face. Um, Nijman proved he could handle spins against Floyd and Miller. I like a lot of the things he did. All right, let's go to Turner. Um, Turner got shed by Aaron Donald. I mean, he, he was against Donald. He saw him a lot in the running game. And on two gains for two yards each, he got shed by Donald. Everybody gets shed by Donald, you know, <laughs> when Howie Long said he, he thinks he's the greatest DT of all time. 
And Troy Aikman said last year on TV that he's the greatest defensive player he's ever seen. You think it's hyperbole and smoke blowing? It's him and Mean Joe Green. You just, all wow. the viewers and li- all the listeners, just watch this guy now. He was on fire. And boy, he does not like being pushed around. Patrick just bumped him a little bit from behind outside a pile. Oh, my God. Donald turned right on his heel, turned right back and got into Patrick's face and basically said, hey, buddy, I mean, you're a nothing. Don't go pushing me from back. And then uh, a couple times. Is that when he uh, uh, choked him, correct? Yeah, Patrick was. His hand got up under the chin. Eh? A couple words here, a couple words Mm. he had with Turner. Just the way it goes. This guy is take no quarters, take no prisoners, give no, ask no quarter. He's Sometimes you just got to go after somebody's jugular. What can you say? <laughs> I never thought he was this good, Tyler, but man, oh man. Okay. Uh, Lucas Patrick, all day long, he turned to a 99, you know, and then it was one-on-ones with gains against the other guard, depending where a 99 was. Patrick got a penalty for an illegal block. He just lost it. and He nailed Floyd from the side. Uh, Patrick, Patrick pancake gain on gains on a gain of eight gains is a hard man to pancake. Um, you know, 64 of the snaps were out of the gun formation, only 18 from under center, no bad snaps this week for Patrick. Um, and that's a, that's a tough environment. It was windy and cold. So yeah, he wasn't great, but he was good enough to win. Uh, I guess that's about it. We covered all the linemen. Um, yeah, they're missing three starters. The line was not charged with a sack, no matter what you want to say. Like I said, they neutralized these three studs and they did the job. That's it, T. Perfectly said. I mean, <laughs> you'll get to Aaron Rodgers and his ability to avoid the sack and the big hit. And, um, you know, just watching the Bills Saints game, obviously the, the Bills were playing the Saints JV squad on Thursday night. But there are times where, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. It was, no, it was the Saints game. Right, at the end of the first half. God, they all blur together, don't they, Bob? Jeez. Yes, they do. Getting freaking old. Maybe it's because we watch Muppets Christmas Carol seven times now with our daughter. You know, I just seen Gonzo and Rizzo. And um, <laughs> that's what's great about having a two-year-old, though. That's a great movie. That's right up there on the Christmas list. <laughs> but uh, it was at the end of the first half. And it was a, his first interception in the red zone in his career. He's unbelievable in the red zone. But, it, you know, the ball, somebody hit the ball. It was tipped. Um, and a lot of people were trying to say, well, that's not Josh Allen's fault. I said something on Twitter that he was flailing about in the first half because he was. It was a second pick. They were struggling on offense big time. But, you know, you have to put a lot of this on the quarterback. They need to have that feel. He should have known that guy was storming in from behind. You've got to have that clock and, and know the talent level that's around you. And right now the Bills line is struggling and he's a big brute guy who does a lot, you know, scrambling and running. And I'm not saying he's terrible at it, but you know, that one example, that one play, it, it, unless you're active, actively taking into account that, you know, sometimes sacks are on quarterbacks, you would just write it off as a bad offensive line where, you know, Aaron Rodgers is really in sync with his line and understands the talent that's around him and knows kind of how to slither and maneuver all over the place out there. It's got to drive you nuts if you're Aaron Donald, if you're somebody on the Rams D line. Yeah. 
and Matt LaFleur is in sync with Rodgers, and uh, they saw this game plan. <sighs> keep Rodgers afloat, keep him on his feet, uh, and with LaFleur's help, Rodgers did the job. He just kind of parries the rush, you know. He minimizes the rush. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, these guys, and they were on the bit, man. They were after him. And he just kind of, he's the master of the throwaway. When they get near him, he just throws it away. He gets outside the tackle box. Almost, he doesn't get hardly any uh, uh, intentional grounding. He's had a couple, yeah, but he just handles stuff. And, yeah. and he sat in the pocket in this game. He, you know, whatever. I don't even want to get into the toe and the foot. I'm not going to talk about that today because I don't know anything about it. But he hung in the pocket really well. You got people flashing around him. He's got three subs up front, but he, he trusted his lineman. He wasn't bolting prematurely. Yeah, he had to get rid of the ball, but and, which he was doing. You know, he's got Adams, and he wasn't afraid to, to throw the ball to him with the great Jalen Ramsey, who might be the best corner in the business. Right, Tyler? He might be. And they weren't afraid, and Rodgers wasn't afraid. Uh, I mean, he wasn't great, great. You could say he overthrew MBS on that ball that I'm blaming MBS partially. He underthrew St. Brown on a play. He had a dropped interception by 33, Nick Scott. So Rogers should have had a pick there. Um, you know, his cadence, he, he, he tries to parry again. That's the word I'm using. He, he tries to stop that rush, cool it down with his cadence. He's Nobody's jumping offside against it. This day and right. age of TV copy and you hear his voice. They must, these teams must rep that voice with a backup QB all week long. He's not getting anybody to jump. I think it's only two times all year, but it, it just kind of settles things down. He is a very smart guy. Um, you know, he's kind of off, off target a little bit on some of these swing passes and flat passes, but people are catching the ball, primarily AJ Dillon, but Rogers, he, he kind of just played like a machine out there. Uh, he, uh, he stood in there, you know, now he stood in there to an effect. He's got this thing going on his lower body. Now he's throwing all arm again. He really wasn't stepping into throws. He would stay, his body would stay in the pocket, but then he's, you know, he's throwing back and, uh, but yet he's got enough arm strength to get the ball there. He threw a couple great throws. The one to uh, Adams deep, the one to uh cop. No, that wasn't the ball. To Adams was right on the line. Um, he, you know, you don't see a whole lot of 12 men penalty or six Packers on the line where you're going to get a penalty for that. He takes inventory of the huddle. Uh, he knows exactly where the five skill position players have to be. The linemen, of course, are there all the time. He takes inventory. He just runs the show. He epitomizes being a coach on the field. I mean, I don't care about the passer rating. Forget all that garbage. This guy played a heck of a game. Um, yeah, he overthrew MV. I mean, you know, so what? I mean, he uh, he was deadly accurate, really, when he had to be. He's using Cobb. Um, statistically, it wasn't all there. Oh, the touchdown. Let's go to the touchdown run in a close game, right? All right. He's got a he's got a run play call off right tackle with Dylan from the one yard line or two whatever it was. Let's see that touchdown was a one yard run. Was it third third down? 
Yeah, it was third and goal from the one. Now, Tyler, he's under center on the play. No, he's not. He's in shotgun formation with a three-wide set. And he wants to hand the ball to Dylan, and he sees Donald over to where the ball is going to be run in a three technique. According to Rogers in that presser, he says he saw Donald starting to split the double between 77 and 70, I believe, maybe 62 and 70. Are you kidding me? So he pulls the ball. He's got no wide out on that side of the field. He's got no receiver. And he decides to uh, take a blind keep, right? The only guy over there is Jalen Ro- uh, Ramsey. You know, if the guy's outside the pocket, never fall for a pump fake. If he's inside the pocket, then you can, then you can stay fo- uh, fall for it. He does that dumb chicken shit pump fake that everybody's seen forever. <laughs> and Jalen goes up. Jalen's yeah. going to knock, knock him into... Uh, Everybody falls for that. Everybody. Menominee County. Marinette County. And he falls for it, and he gets in there for a touchdown on the bad wheel. But he outruns, I assume, a bad wheel. I don't know if it's a bad wheel, whatever. And it's a one-yard run for a touchdown. And it was it just set the tone. It gave them a 7 nothing lead, yeah. and they, a lead they never re- relinquished. So that's it for the QB, Tyler. Yeah, I, I'm always shocked at how people just constantly fall for that. I mean, he could be seven yards past the line of scrimmage, pump fake, and there goes you know, just jumping right up like a, <laughs> like a basketball player in high school, like falling for the pump fake and just taking himself <laughs> to midcourt. Uh, but it works. He knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you think that this was his best game of the season, Bob? Mm, I don't think I've given him a five this year, Tyler. I don't have all those things. Um, uh, he had another great one. I'd say it ties another one I know. At least I had one one other four and a half, maybe two other four and a halves. It's a good – the Rams are a good defense now. They got good people. They're going to beat a lot of people. Um, this could uh, have been that, given everything, who he was facing. Uh, the stakes are are high right now. I mean, this this might have been his best game. Yeah. Could have. You know, I can remember the first step. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Bob. No, no, that's it. You go ahead. I just remember on episode one, you know, when they get obliterated by the Saints, I think it was – our headline was uh, the calamity, total calamity. I think it was right to wonder, you know, how mobile is he really going to be? You know, how nimble is he? How What kind of shape is he in? I mean, all we saw all offseason was, you know, vacation and jeopardy and discontent. And, oh, last 11th hour, you know, there's a picture of him working out with David Bakhtiari. And I don't think anybody really knew what kind of shape he was in. And it didn't look pretty week one. Then you watch a game like this Sunday and there's no questions. I mean, he's moving really, really well. I mean, like you said, we don't know what's going on with, with the toe, but you know, even if he's 100% healthy uh, at his age, it's impressive. You know, I, if he can keep this up, you have to think he could keep playing at a high level well into his forties. So I expect him to, I mean, he wants to set all the records. He wants to, challenge Brady. I think he's going to yeah. go till 45 or they carry him out. However, 
we got to knock him a little bit on third and seven down there. Um, he felt he could run through that pocket. It, I didn't credit any Ram with a pressure on that on that play on that sack. He thought he could sneak through there, mm-hmm. but Greg Gaines of all people, the three hundred twenty pounder, nailed him from the side, caught him, tripped him up. It was a no gain sack, but it was a sack statistically. But uh, so he didn't quite make every play down there with his legs, almost. All right, let's go to the <laughs> RBs. Let's go to the RBs. I'm amazed Aaron Jones played in this game. Um, I mean, he suffered that injury against Seattle, the MCL damage, sat out one week, and now he's back on the field. So that's played two weeks later, Tyler. Wow. All right, the snap counts, Dylan 42 out of the 82, Aaron Jones 40, um, Patrick Taylor zero. So that's it at the running backs. All right, let's start with Aaron Jones like we normally do. Uh, one of his poorest games. Mm. He obviously wasn't 100%. I'm sort of shocked, too, as conservative as that medical staff is that they let him play. But So he played. He probably just said he's playing and convinced Doc McKenzie to go with it. Um, he started, played the first five plays. He broke two tackles in this game. He had 10 touches for 23 yards. A.J. Dillon, by the way, had 25 touches for 90 yards. Um, boy, uh, so one time Leonard Floyd beat a Billy Turner and 33 eluded Floyd and gained eight. That was his, the high water mark, was really a nice play. But the carry for minus four for Aaron Jones, that's on him. He, he has to keep that thing inside and take a one or two yard gain. And who knows, maybe he breaks something, but he tried to bolt left around the corner and Von Miller was uh, staying home and trapped him for minus four. Um, and then he got a holding penalty on a, um, a pass, a pass rush by 50, the middle backer, Ernest Jones, really a bad hold. He took a bad angle. Didn't see it. It didn't look like he saw it properly and held. Okay. AJ Dillon carried the load. 25 for 90. He broke five tackles in this game, two by uh, the middle backer, Troy Reeder. Um, again, he made a juggling screen catch of a screen pass in traffic, bodies all around him. He found a way to hang on. It was a short game, but still it was a good play. Man, on fourth and one, uh, Greg Gaines, the big nose, shed Lucas Patrick, and Dylan ran through that, through gains. Gain of two was a huge play. You know, he hasn't fumbled in five games now. He's holding on to the ball in cold weather, which is going to be crucial as we go along here. So since that Washington thing, he's held on to the ball well. He made a really nice cut. He showed good fluidity on an inside run for five. Um, uh, and I call it a choice route. Came out against zone against uh, Rap and Reader. Made a nice catch, touchdown, five yards, beautiful play. Almost, they did not want to run wide. I don't think, you don't want to do outside zone against Aaron Donald or the this, this speed defense. So they just pounded away on inside zone. And, um, I mean, he averaged 3.5, 20 for 69. 
I mean, he's, he's, he's slow compared to the great backs in the league. Obviously he's a lot bigger than the great backs, but every now and then he was carrying people when they hit him low at the shins, he went down kind of, he just went down um, the one man tackle tackling him. The Packers did not pull a lineman all day, Tyler. So on their 30 running plays, it was all just straight zone and mostly inside zone. Never pulled a guy once. This was the most static game you can imagine. Um, I'll get into what how static Green Bay was on defense, but uh, Raheem Morris, the D coordinator for Sean uh, McVay, he only rushed five or more on 16% of dropbacks. He never sent six or seven. Uh, just this was a four-man rush game on both sides. All right, the uh, fullback tight end guys, Degora. Um, he was okay. I thought he missed a couple lead blocks over there on Von Miller. Um, twice he did on only games, gains that were short gains. On fourth and two, Rodgers trusted him. He sat down on a stick route, gained 12 on it. It was a nice catch. Couldn't afford a drop there. And Daphne played with his hand down 35 snaps for Degora, only four with his hand down, and 20 with Daphne, nine. So Daphne's more of a base Y, y classic kind of a tight end. Uh, I didn't think either one of them blocked real good. Uh, they're not getting much out of the tight ends, but they've lost Tunyon. It's the way it goes. Okay, that's it on the offense, Tyler. Yeah, it's uh, about as good, I think, as you can expect against that defense. And I can't get A.J. Dillon's run over Taylor Rapp out of my head. I mean, he just blasted through him. I mean, that's why you drafted him in the second round. So he's a uh, he's a presence at this point. We'll just leave it at that, Bob. Yep, that's the one. That's the one you you cite of his twenty five touches. That's the one time he really full, ran right through somebody. He had four other broken tackles, but obviously the one with Taylor Rapp you referred to stood out. That was the last one late in the game. So I know everybody's going to feed on that. And... <laughs> hey, I'm taking it easy on you. I'm, everybody asks me to. Campbell, I know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, you got to. It sets a tone. You don't think that sets a tone? He had 25 carries to set the tone, and I think that one did set a tone. The other 24, I don't know how much tone setting was going on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, T, let's go to the D. We'll pick that up next week, huh? (laughs) All right, the D, 62 snaps. We got Kenny Clark with 5-2, Kingsley Kiki, 32. Lowry, 29, Lancaster and Slayton, six and five. Tyler, this is unheard of. Of 62 snaps, you know how many times they played three, a base defense with three big guys? Zero. It's never happened. Green Bay's never played a game. I've been doing this for, they've never played a game without a base defense. 62 snaps and not one three four defense not one four-man line they were never in short yardage or goal line and they never used one defensive lineman when when they would put another um on third and long when they would take one of the third olb and put him brush him as a rover they never did that once joe barry 
Okay, on his pass rush, 42 rushes, 42 dropbacks by Stafford, one five-man rush, and 41 four-man rushes. He's sitting in coverage uh, as predictable as you possibly can be. He's sitting back there with seven guys in whatever coverages he's doing, some man, some zone, some match, whatever, and he's relying on the rush. Now, he couldn't do that when he didn't have uh, Rashawn Gary last week, and the Vikings heard him when he tried to blitz. But in this game, as soon as Gary took the field, and we'll get to Gary next week, but I just want to make this general statement. You know, I can just tell the feel for a rush after about three or four rushes. You just, you just look at the thing, and there's a feel, whether a team has a pass rush or not. But on third and long, when it's Gary and Preston Smith outside with Kiki and Clark inside, Green Bay has the rush. That's one of the best things they have going right now. And we'll get into Gary later, but let me just say that. And I can see what Joe Barry's doing. He never had to rush five. Why should he? He was all around Stafford all day long. Okay, Kenny Clark. Um, he was against, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers, David Edwards. He was a left guard. And he played tackle at Wisconsin, and now he's playing guard. He's like six, six and a half. He's too tall. The right guard, Austin Corbett, was a high draft pick. He washed out in Cleveland, and I know this for a fact, because he had no strength, and they thought he had just no substance. He, he just couldn't hold up in there. And the center's a guy from Michigan State, Brian Allen, who's really too small, and he's just a guy. So they have problems on the interior. Uh, Sean McVay has, since the Super Bowl, he's had a lot of problems in the interior. Austin Blythe, I mean, he's tried people in there. It's, it's just not good enough. His tackles, Whitworth and Haver, Haverstein, are, Havenstein, the other ex-Badger, are okay. Um, Whitworth's getting up there, but he's still okay. All right, so Kenny, Kenny Clark. I mean, he, at one play, he knocked Austin Corbett just on his back on a play away from him, and then he went down and tackled a little of Henderson for a gain of three. Um, on one play, he just destroyed Brian Allen, the center, for a gain of nothing. On that play, he leaped then after he disposed of Allen, and he leaped and tackled Henderson. Um, when, uh, when Barnes made a nice, easy tackle for three yards, it was just a classic case of Clark just holding two blockers, just absorbing them. Neither one could get off. And Barnes just inserted himself and made a gain of three. Um, the stunt, the sack, uh, where's that sack? Okay, he got, Kenny Clark got that sack in five seconds. It was a, it was a, a TT stunt with, um, with 96 Kingsley. And on that play, Clark just deposited Corbett, just disposed of him. And then continued onward on his stunt. And when Stafford held the ball in 5.0, he got the sack. Um, later on, the last uh, last series, again, he trashed Corbett for a gain of nothing. Uh, he had a terrific game. He could have been a star of the week, too. I did him last week as number one. He could do it almost every week. All right. Uh, Kingsley Kiki, 
They missed him for two and a half games with a concussion. This was the second game back. I thought he played really good. He, uh, let's see his pressure. He only had one, one pressure. Clark had two and Dean Lowry had one, but I thought he was steady. He was pushing the, that uh, inferior interior back. He, uh, he shed David Edwards one time, made a tackle for three. They, you know, they kind of reduced his snaps because they, they, he played less. He only played 32, so he didn't have, he wasn't tired because they weren't in the base. And that gave, that saved him for the rush when he, he likes it best and when he's very dangerous interior rusher. He got rid of Corbett in the fourth quarter, disposed of him, the ball was out. Um, he made a dangerous play at the end when he hit uh, Stafford around the shins. I saw McVeigh immediately on the sidelines, wanted a penalty. He was pointing down to the shins, ankles. That's a dangerous play. I didn't think Dean Lowry, he had probably his least uh, impactful game in, uh, in several weeks. The one play he made, he stuffed uh, Havenstein, Haverstein, uh, gain of two. Um, there was no need to play Lancaster and Slayton. I mean, this was not a game for base. The Rams just are not into two tight ends after they lost that Munt guy. I think he's out for the year. So they really only played Higby. Uh, they're a three, four wideout team with a small back. They're not going to run the ball. I mean, once they lost Cam Akers, it's kind of like Detroit all over again for Stafford. They really don't have a viable run game. And when you come to Lambeau Field in late November on a, you know, on a cold day, that hurts you. It puts it all on Stafford. When you got a bad interior against a good rush, it's a bad combination. That's it, T. Yeah, I get it. If you you know losing acres is a blow, but I don't think uh, you know Kyle Shanahan wants to hear that, right? I mean, they lose Raheem. <laughs> they do. They plug in six round pick Elijah Mitchell and yep. you know, just blow out the Vikings. I mean, Mitchell's been unbelievable. Teams lose their starting running backs, like. Right. Newsflash. It's one of the most physical positions in sports and you're probably going to get hurt. You will get hurt at some point. It's just a matter of what you can play through what you can't. They, I think it speaks more to the overall attitude of the team and the direction of everything there. I mean, Sean McVay with what he wants to do. Hey, maybe they, maybe they you know, and like same thing with Josh Allen and the bills. Right. I mean, I wrote that they're a soft team when they got blasted by the Colts, they could get hot. I'm not saying that the season's over for the Bills or the Rams. All you got to do is win three games in a row. Joe Flacco, he got hot. He has a Super Bowl ring. Like, it, it, it can happen for these kind of offenses. But I don't know. I just, it, I just Right now, it doesn't seem like the kind of uh, football that you want to be playing this time of year. And if it sounds, you know, like I'm a curmudgeon that lived in the 60s, uh, maybe it does. But that's why it's old school week here. Go along, Bob. We're embracing <laughs> it. Love it. Well said, not Tyler. Rams Sometimes- well said, Tyler. Sometimes I dote on injuries uh, on both teams. Um, you got to play over it, no question. The Rams' problem on offense, Beckham and that bad interior, that's their problem, yeah. really. I don't think it's the quarterback at all. I mean, McVay can win with that guy, but hmm. you got people in his face, it's a problem. All right, uh, linebacker stats, uh, snap counts. Preston Smith on the outside, 46 of 62. Rashawn Gary, 33. Galilee, Galia, I'm not sure, 28. 
And Ladarius Hamilton comes back after being cut, comes off the practice squad, activated 17 for him. Uh, Garvin's out with COVID. And on the inside, Campbell plays all 62, Barnes 38, and Oren Burks always gets in, Tyler. He got five. <laughs> <laughs> they always play the guy. Okay. Giving him every chance to succeed, T. All right. So let's start with uh, inside. Um, Campbell had his least uh, significant game. Uh, he missed one tackle. Barnes missed one tackle. He only had one chance to rush. I think he had nine blitzes last week, as we discussed on Barry. There's no way. Um, he had a quiet day. I don't know. He concentrates on lining people up. He has to do a lot of that, and he seems to be doing it well. Um, and I'm sure people are very aware of Devondre, Devondre Campbell now, and they know what's going on, and they know they need to get a body on him and take him seriously in the passing game. Okay, Barnes. He plays the interior run pretty good. You know, he can take on and, and he can insert hard into a ball carrier. Um, I like what he does in that regard pretty good. Um, he missed a tackle out in the flat. He was out of control out there, and uh, that cost him an extra. Uh, he was out of control against Cooper Cup. That cost him an extra nine yards. He had a breakup on an in route to uh, Cooper Cup. was a heck of a play. On the touchdown pass to Henderson on the choice route, six yards. Boy, you watch. It's not all on Amos. Um, Barnes took one or two false steps to his left, Stafford's right, when Stafford's eyes took him over there. And then he came back to Henderson on the left. And it was just enough. His, his eye discipline was a, a bit off, and uh, and that cost him on the touchdown. Uh, Burks, nothing to say there. Let's go to the outs. Let's go to the outside. All right. So Gary comes back after this bad elbow injury. The guy really wants it, Tyler. I uh, you could just see it. He really wants it, and he, with him on the field again, that rush had a totally different feel. He, uh, the numbers weren't great. Gary had three pressures. Preston Smith had three. Clark had two. Uh, Galilee had one. But, you know, really, you could say the play of the game was the strip sack by Gary when he went around Andrew Whitworth. It was a huge play. It set up the first touchdown. Um, then another play, you know, when he got hurt, when he got injured, he was flattening down from right to left, and then he stuck his arm out and got twisted, and that's, you know, when you're flattening and you extend that arm, you are at risk of an injury because that thing can get stuck into places and bent backwards. It's a nasty uh, a nasty moment, I'm sure, for Clay Matthews used to do that all the time when you flatten. Um, but, boy, he did it right away and made a tackle for six. Uh, he went in there as hard as if he hadn't didn't have a brace or whatever the heck he had on that protection. Uh, Preston Smith, he's playing pretty good football. He had three pressures. He had a fumble recovery. Almost all of it was on the left side against uh, Havenstein. Was it Haverstein or Havenstein? Havenstein, I'm sorry. Um, Galilee, 
He didn't do much. He had 28 snaps, but he's kind of active, Tyler. He's not a bad guy. I mean, they're down Garvin. They're down Merciless. They're down Zadarius Smith. So he's like your seventh guy. But he was okay. And Hamilton's kind of a physical guy. He didn't, didn't do anything on the rush, but he does show some physicality. Is there a word physicality? Absolutely, it's a word. We need a different word for it, though. Yeah, right. But it is, you can use it grammatically, yeah? Yes, you can. I, I think we got to find something else, though, because it's overused. I overuse it. Maybe like um, bloodthirsty, blood-sucking, something that uses like the that. word blood. <laughs> maybe like uh, entrails, entrails. And the entrails. I want, I, you know, I want visuals. I want it to be as gross and disgusting as possible. <laughs> Tyler, is it poor of me? I was doing it a lot with Aaron Donald to say he killed so-and-so and this guy got killed. Is that, should I stay away from that? Here, here's what I'm going to say to that, Bob. If there's any part of you that is afraid to use such language, I want you to remove that part from your brain forever. <laughs> Stuff it right down that garbage disposal you have in that kitchen and never, <laughs> ever be shy to push the envelope and go along, ever. Because if, if we offend somebody with such language, I consider that a, a victory, actually. So ramp it up. I think you're a little too soft. That's all. That's why we all love go long TD. Yes. There's no need for uh, focus groups to gather and discuss for an hour, whether or not we should use such language because Twitter might be upset. Let's let's go to the DBs. Um, All right. So let's start with Rasul Douglas and let's start with his pick. Uh, It was a thing of beauty. Um, I, I think he set up uh, Stafford and um, Cup on the play with what he had done earlier. He's playing way off, you know. I mean, he, he doesn't. I think he's playing so deep that he doesn't have to backpedal. Then a really short backpedal if he has to do it at all, and he also can't really bump and run. So he's playing off. He's not a smooth athlete, but he's a smart guy and a tough guy, and he's. He's not afraid. I'm giving him two and a half pressures, not or breakups. I'm not, I'm giving him half a one when Amos combined collided with him against Beckham and hit him in the uh, lumbar left back area there and um, gave him some pain. Um, And I'm not giving him a breakup on a dropped interception. Maybe somebody did on that. I don't know. So I'm giving him two and a half breakups. Uh, the touchdown was absolutely superb. Let's look at our friend Eric Gaska on pick sixes. Eric now writing in Pro Football Journal. Since 1921, the Packers have returned 145 picks for touchdowns in the regular season. In those games, <clears throat> they're 115, 14, and two. That's 885 winning percentage. You get a pick six, you win, T. Since 2000, the Pack have picked off 43 for touchdowns. That's third highest in the league behind the Bears with 50. Remember that? Um, Tillman, right? And Mike Brown returning all those picks under Lovey Smith. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we did a Q&A with Tim Jennings 
um, over the off season at go along. If you want to dig it up, we talked all about that. Really? Yeah, it was fun. You know, forget how great if we're thinking of the same defense, gosh, it would have been 2012. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Uh... I didn't say, I just said in the 2000s. I know 2012, they were just turning the ball over. Was it? Will. Jay Cutler was winning games in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> and then the wheels just came off. Like they were in first place. They were dominating. And then <clears throat> they just kind of, Cutler did what he did. Kind of like Stafford does what Stafford does. But yeah, that defense, they were fun to watch. Jennings got into it all. And even before that, when they made the Super Bowl and lost to the Colts, that team was all uh, takeaways too. Uh, the Bears have 50. The Buccaneers have 49. So that's Rondé Barber, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, people like that in the last 22 years, returning picks for scores. Um, since 1921, Eric knows how many opposing quarterbacks have thrown them. You gotta love Eric Goska, man. He's got <laughs> it all, Tyler. Eric is our man. <laughs> I first met Eric when I was at the Green Bay Press Gazette, and Eric uh, started covering uh, some high schools and taking scores on the phone. And then he just developed all this Packer. He is the best. Joey, exceptional. I, I love that you get into this all. I, our listeners, they always learn something from him. How about Joey Harrington? Now, he didn't play that many games against the Pack, but he's the leader with five pick sixes, followed by Matthew Stafford with four and John Kitna with four, Johnny U, Johnny Unitas, three, and Jim Plunkett, three. That's like with the 49ers. And yeah, I'm, okay. So that's it with Eric's gem this week. Um, all right, a fantastic play by Douglas. A dropped interception four plays later could have been a 48-yard touchdown. Awful. Um, he gave up a 22-yard curl to Cooper Cup when he was playing very soft. That's when Stafford had time. The rare times he really had time to try to expose it. Um, let's see. Um, he made a a breakup on a uh, an 18 yard dig to Jefferson. He broke up a curl to Jefferson on a 15 yard uh, pass. He played he played very very well on the touchdown. Let's go to the touchdown pass. He did not play it very very well. In fact, he gave it up. Where's my 20 plus play sheet? All right. Um, the 54-yard touchdown to Beckham. That one is on Rasul Douglas. That's by design. 31 is to his left, and 31 is going to break on curl, dig, slants. But in doing so, it's sort of a double team. The understanding is that 29's got the deep outside, and if he goes outside or down the middle, he's, he's got to stay with him. And Douglas, I think, was peaking. You saw, you saw his lack of speed on the play. And Beckham, who was in no condition really to, to play that, to, to run that fast, he made it look easy on a 54-yard touchdown. Okay. 
Uh, over on the other side, um, oh, and Douglas made a great play against a screen, too, when he sifted in under Andrew Whitworth and made a tackle on a screen for three when there was blockers ahead. Um, okay, Kevin King was inactive with hamstring or hip and knee injuries. Tyler, they got to stay with Rasul Douglas. And even though Chandon Sullivan got burned real bad on a 79-yard touchdown pass to Bon Jefferson, Van, excuse me. Um, you, he's a better nickel than King, too. Uh, I think we've seen enough of King. He, he's just got to be on the bench. Maybe if they're going to play six DBs or something, but he doesn't know the slot. Sullivan knows the slot. Yeah, he's more talented than Sullivan. But Sullivan, at least, we saw the problems on the long pass. But, you know, he's not that bad. And he's been there for three years. Uh, he got beat on a 19-yard in route by Cup. Um, but, and he just get the guy down on the long bomb to Jefferson for the touchdown. But he fell off the thing, and there was 35 yards of just romping in the end zone by Jefferson. I mean, on that play, I'm not really sure what 26 was doing when he went up and doubled uh, with Black against Cup. I don't really know if – I mean, because Sullivan had outside leverage on that play, and he's given up the inside. But if he if, – if, in fact, 26 is correct, moving up and giving up the post, that doesn't make any sense for 39 to be – setting up on the outside of Jefferson. So, but I don't know. Uh, on the other side, 31, the other safety in a two shell, he doubled Beckham with, uh, with Rasul Douglas. So that was a, a long bomb. This team hasn't given up hardly any long bombs all year. And to give up touchdown passes of 79 and 54, that's really one for the books. I'd have to look back, but two touchdown passes for over 50 yards. It's been a long time. Okay, Stokes, I thought he was solid. Um, he played well. He, uh, he was clingy. He was under control. On that flea flicker pass, the half wide receiver pass by Cup, he stayed back on the thing. Yeah, he got lucky when the, the foot was barely out of bounds by Jefferson. I think it was Jefferson, but yeah. But again, he was in position. He wasn't just totally hoodwinked on the thing. Um, all right, that's it at corner. On the safety, man, let's look at Adrian Amos. He eludes Corbett, and he stops Henderson for a one-yard run. He eludes Corbett again. That was on third and two. Then on fourth and one, he eludes Corbett, goes in and just makes a knifing hard tackle on Henderson on fourth and one. That was another huge play, probably the second or third best, biggest play on by the defense in this game. Um All right, I gave him a partial breakup on that third and three slant to, uh, to Beckham. He hit him in the left back, put, him, put the pain on the rest of the game. He's a sure waist tackler or below. He is a sure guy. All right, he got beat partially by Henderson on the touchdown. We know he doesn't match up well in certain situations. You got to live with Amos there. But he's had a really good year. Um, and that's it there. Uh, Savage had a quiet day. Um, I don't really have anything to say about Savage. I got no notes. You know, scouts say safety can be a very frustrating position to scout. 
because they look at tape and sometimes the guy, if he's in a two shell, nothing happens. You can look at 15, 20 snaps in a row and you got nothing to grade, you know? There's nothing to grade where everybody else generally is doing something. So that's about it on the safety. Black uh, missed one tackle. The defense only missed four tackles. Again, Tyler, this is a really good tackling defense. Um, and that's so important. Oh, one thing on Stokes, he, he's going to get a drop pick on the sideline there. He was thinking pick six. And I know you got to think like that. You got to be aggressive. But boy, you got to catch it first. And I think if he concentrated on catching that ball, it would have been a pick. Um, that's it on the defense, Tyler. Question for you, Bob. Do you think, or I should phrase it this way, what type of offense could give the Packers trouble in a playoff game? As you've referenced week in and week out, they've, they've stayed stagnant. They're not doing anything overly exotic. They're not blitzing. They're not, they're just kind of letting guys play. Right. And that's what guys want to do. They don't want to overthink out there, but is there someone or something that gives you a little pause as you look around the NFL? You got to have a good player inside to handle Clark to prevent him from ruining the game. And people have that. I mean, there are, there are good players around the league that can block a lot better than we've seen the Rams. Um, you got to have a good tackle against Rashawn Gary. I don't know what Zadarius Smith is going to play. I have no idea. I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. Um, you got to do something with Gary. Don't know if Jair Alexander's coming back, but you got to, ex- if he's not back, you've got to expose Rasul Douglas's uh, marginal athleticism and speed, which can be done. He's been on the street. He's given up a ton of big plays in his years with the Eagles. Um, Campbell's played well. Uh, Barnes has been okay. You can expose Barnes in the flat. You can expose Amos in the pass game. And I still think Savage, you can throw over his head. I'm still not totally convinced this guy has got eye discipline. But if, you know, if King's on the field, then you expose King. And Tom Brady got completions against him at will last year when he needed it. And that really kind of won the game for the Bucs. Um, so that's it. Kind of a roundabout way of saying they got a pretty good defense. It's not a great defense, but it's pretty good. And the transition, what could potentially cost the Packers in a do or die game is the kicking game. Yes, let's go to it right that now. That has to be a concern. So Crosby's last in the league right now in field goal percentage. Um, really, you know, when you miss, how many has he missed? Nine? I, I don't even know, but teams lose games when you got a kicker who's lost nine. In some ways, they are carrying him right now, and he has helped this team win for years and years. He's been automatic. All right, so in this game, you know, right away, they're lining up to try a 56-yard field goal, and then they call timeout, and LaFleur thinks twice about it. So that didn't help Crosby's confidence, and they punt. Um, boy, his first extra point, he hooked that thing left so bad. I thought it was going to miss and it just snuck in. All right. Um, he hit a 45 yard field goal, barely just inside the left pipe. 
Then he showed good rhythm on a 28-yarder, a 29-yarder. His other extra points were good. Then he lined up for a 42-yarder off a left hash. The snap was fine. The hold was fine. And he knocked it off the left pipe, and it bounced left. Oh. Um, compare him to uh, Matt Gay. Boy, that guy was just ripping him. In Green Bay in late November, he was just pounding the ball. The holes were really good. The snaps were really good. The operation was so much better than Green Bay. And you got a second-year snapper in Matt Orzek, and you got a veteran holder in Johnny Hecker. But compared to Gay, it was a huge difference. Um, Crosby didn't kick off great. Of his eight kickoffs, only two touchbacks. Now, I know it's tough getting late in the year. He averaged 64.9. At 3.87 hang time. All right, the punter, Bajorquez, the former Ram. Maybe he was overthinking it, you know? Now, he did outpunt Johnny Hecker, who was awful, the ex-pro bowler. And so neither punter really did the job. Bajorquez had five punts, averaged 42-4, 39.8, only 3.89. And then he had another punt that was called back by penalty, which did go 58, but only had 377 hang. On his 61 yarder that was down at the one, it had 24 yard roll when Cup didn't run up and uh, uh, catch, the, catch the ball. So he had what, three inside the 20, one was luck, uh, two fair catches. Um, wasn't his best game. I still think he's second in the league in net. And his, his uh, holding has improved. So the kicker's got whatever I gave him out of. All right, now the special teams, Tyler. You want to say anything about uh, Crosby? You know the guy. Yeah, we've defended him pretty strongly on this podcast from, from day one on through, given our experience being around him. I mean, we've seen these slumps. We've seen him bounce back. We've seen him hit big kick after big kick after big kick in, in, in games that really do matter. But you're right, teams with kickers like this, missing this much, nine, you were right on that. Uh, th those kickers are released. Um, those kickers are costing their teams games. The Packers, it's it's really remarkable that they've, they're finding a way to win these games. It, it is. I mean, you go back and, and look right on through that Cincinnati game, of course, being the, the one that they were really lucky to win. Um, th th this is a team that easily could be what like the Vikings at five and six? I mean, they've they've had those close games, and kicking could have been a reason why. So I think if you're the front office, you've got to give you've got to give it consideration. As you kind of asked, um, I think it was two three weeks ago. Like, all right, well, what's your alternative? Like, what's your better option? What's out there? I I don't know. I really don't. But at this rate, it's you have to think that it, there's a high probability it could cost them in the playoffs and. Um, that's uh, that's got to be the number one worry for the team right now. I don't even know if it's really close. Let me say this though, Tyler. I don't. You can't replace him now. How many cold weather games they got? They got three at home, and a dome game in Detroit. They got cold game. Yeah, they got a whole bunch of cold games. They're okay. They got three at home. Chicago, Cleveland, and Minnesota, and they're at Baltimore. You got four out of five in the cold. 
and pl home playoff game or games, you can't replace that. Crosby knows how to do it. It's the hardest thing in the world. Ryan Longwell's not coming back. <laughs> what about uh, Brett Conway? Brett Conway available? What if Ryan Longwell did come back? Could he still kick? Eh. I mean, I'm the range would be 35 maybe. Yeah, yeah. 40. Could he? Chris Jackie maybe might be kicking around. <laughs> He's in town. There you go. He lives in Green Bay. Yeah, bring Chris on. Okay. Um, all right, the special teams. Well, let's look at the snapper, Mr. Wordle. It was about his third or fourth game. I don't know. Uh, all right, so on the one, two, three, four, five, on the seven placements, I got him with perfect laces one. The ball had to be spin, spun four times, and two, I'm not sure. Not great, not terrible. He's getting a little bit better, but he had one really low punt snap too. It was basically on the ground that Bajorquez uh, had to fish up. All right, uh, the gunners were, St. Brown is a gunner five on five times. Um, Yeadum, the corner had six and little uh, Jean Charles had one. So St. Brown, I remember a scout ripped him at Notre Dame, said the guy would have no interest playing special teams in the NFL. Huh. Well, he's, he's toughened up here. And then the holdups, four for Yeadam, three for Rasul Douglas. He's still playing special teams as a holdup guy. How about that? And two for St. Uh, John Charles. All right. Uh, the personal protector was 41 black. All right. Let's go to Amari Rogers. They got about the worst return game in the league right now, Tyler. Their special teams is another thing that could undermine them. We know that, not just the kickers. They got no return game. So he lets the first punt roll, cost them 13 yards of roll. And obviously they were just beside themselves, furious. And they benched him. And they sent Cobb out there who hadn't played one snap on special teams all year. And he runs up for a fair catch and he fumbles the ball and they recover it. So then they go back to Rogers. Um, now he's had some decisions earlier that were questionable. He, he tends to be a little scared, but you can't be scared as a punt returner. It's an awful job especially in wind and night and all this stuff, but you've got to go up and catch it. It's the NFL. Well, when he does catch it, Tyler, he's heavy. I mean, he, he's thick. He's got a thick lore. And I don't know. Will he make the team next year? He's got to totally change his body around in the offseason. There's no question about it. He's got really no burst. And they, they won't even play him. When Cobb gets hurt, they don't even play the guy. And that's his job, a slot. He doesn't play the second half. Can you go to Cobb? Cobb's down now. You know, they don't – I mean, Shannon Sullivan has returned punts. I mean, that might be the next answer. Let's look at last year. I can't really remember. Punt returners. You could bring back Tyler Irvin. I think he's on the street. Terrell Austin, he might be on the street. 
bring back Jerry as shepherd. <laughs> uh, no, Sullivan's never returned. They got a problem in the return game. Malik Taylor, who at least has some size and some bulk and some speed, he could return kickoffs, but he's hurt. His injury is abdomen. He didn't practice all week. Okay. Uh, penalty, McDuffie had an illegal block. Now, the, the, punt, the kickoff and punt coverage was pretty darn good. Um, they didn't get really anything done. Sony Michelle, another guy they traded for the Rams, at least he ran hard. But Daphne had a couple good hits. Uh, McDuffie had one. Black had one. St. Brown had one. All pretty impressive stuff. Now they forced a fumble, which was the real highlight on the special teams. And that is a red leather. A red letter play was absolutely huge. It's hard to get a fumble out on special teams. And they got it done. Black got the first hit on the guy, uh, Koski. And then six guys, man, you had six hats to the ball. They gave the, the strip to 49 Daphne and the recovery went to 51 Barnes, but that was awesome. And the other awesome play, let's go to the onside kick, how they handled that. Um, you know, the ball's got to go 10 yards before it can be recovered. All right. But Amos doesn't really know where it's going to bounce and the ball's coming to him. So he makes the right decision. He goes to where it's at eight yards and he makes a beautiful recovery of this thing. Um, it's hard to figure how far it's going to go, where it's going to bounce, if it's going to take a crazy bounce and 31, he handled it and they won the, and they won, they preserved the victory. Two missed tackles by Oren Burks on teams. The most snaps was by Travis Davis. Is it Travis? We, no, Tyler Davis with 29. That's it, Tyler. I've got nothing to add, Bob. You put it perfectly. Well done again. Aaron Rodgers is in MVP form, and so is Bob McGinn. Yeah, is, is Aaron Rodgers, is he maybe a, a runner? I don't know how closely you're tracking the, uh, the Vegas odds on the NFL MVP, but Number four is a real possibility for him after that game. It was, it was at least an MVP performance, I'd say. I got no idea about odds or anything like that. I'm not looking at any of that stuff, but he hasn't had many bad – well, he's played well, okay, and he, uh, he's played well. All right, T. McGinn's memory. What do you think? Should we get right into it? Anything else to add on this sure. game? Nope, let's do it. You have no idea what I'm talking about here, Tyler. I never so do. If, if I... people are listening for the first time every week, Bob McGinn digs through the archives, the literal archives, the newspapers right, that so have been this, saved since the 70s. This one's going to be all on a Ram theme, okay? The L.A. Rams, Tyler. I know the game wasn't out in L.A. or where, yeah, you know, I don't know anything about SoFi Stadium or Field. Never been there. Probably never will, but that's okay. It looks like one of those monst glass monstrosities, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when I was a kid, Tyler, I really got into the NFL by playing APBA or APA football. A neighbor, when I was about eight, 1960, he had this game, and I was just entranced by it. And he invited me over, and I had lunch and dinner, at, 
and we played this thing. He was like two years older than me. He was 10. So do you know what I'm talking about? A sports table play game, card game? Yeah. Yeah. Based on re- reality uh, algorithms. I mean, they use some kind of mathematical formula. It came out of Lancaster, PA. I once visited the factory with my mom to buy that year's playing cards. So if you play a season out, it, the results, and if you coach it and do it accurately, the results should pretty much be the way they were in real life. So in APBA, I got the cards from 61, 62, and 63. 16 teams in those days or 14. So I would play these games with my buddies, you know. I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 9, in there, 10. And that's how I got to know all these players. So, what I mean, so that's what I'm going to go back with the Rams. I mean, they were not a very good team, but John Arnett, man, he was a ball carrier. And then Dick Bass replaced him. And they weren't very good those years in 61, 2, and 3. But they had a front four, and I was always kind of intrigued. The Packers played on the West Coast to end the regular season 14 straight years. You may not know that, T. From 1950 to 1963, they would get on a plane, fly to the West Coast, stay out there for two weeks. They'd play the Niners in Kizar and the Rams in the Coliseum back-to-back, and they'd practice out there in Tinseltown, right? Um, Generally had, I don't know, with Lombardi they won, but prior to that they were probably losing games. Um, So then... One thing about the Rams in that era, man, they had a fearsome foursome. The same four guys in 63, 4, 5, and 6. That was David Deacon Jones and Lamar Lundy at the ends, Merlin Olsen and Rosie Greer inside. And no free agency, and teams stayed together. And, you know, when I was playing my games and stuff, you had that front four in front of you, and Roman Gabriel at quarterback, and it was just cool. So, um, then as a fan growing up in upper Michigan, the Packer games were on every, every week. And so the big game was a playoff game, Western conference playoff game in 1967 at Milwaukee County stadium, 20 degree day and in come the Rams, um, coached by George Allen. And, um, the Rams had only allowed 14.0 points per game. And the Packers won this thing 28 to seven. I remember watching this. Travis Williams scored two touchdowns, 18 for 88. Uh, that was in route to Super Bowl two. Three and a half sacks by Henry Jordan against the interior of that Ram offensive line. Tom Mack, Ken Iman, and Joe Scabelli was the interior. Henry had three and a half sacks that day. And the Ice Bowl was eight days later. So he had two back-to-back Cole Classic games. And that really was. So then when I got on the beat, um, I made my first trip to California in 72 to see Michigan in the uh, play Stanford in the Rose Bowl. My brother lived in San Diego, still does from 67 to the present. And so I stayed at his house. And then um, when I started covering games, starting in 84, um, I'd be out there and the Packers played out there a bunch and the Raiders were in LA and man, one of the treats of the trip was to buy that new, the LA, the Los Angeles times and what a sports section it was, Tyler. Um, 
The sports editor was Bill DeWire, D-W-Y-R-E, a native of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, was sports editor at the Milwaukee Journal, did a great job, and then went, became sports editor of the LA Times. Um, one of his assistants, Mike Cupper, uh, covered the Packers briefly, covered the Brewers for a while, and then became an assistant sports editor. But that section, I would read that thing and read these writers. You know, NFL coverage really started, the modern era started with Tex Mall in Sports Illustrated. And you've heard of him, certainly. And when I did the Super Bowl book, I was reading all of Mall's stories. Of course, I subscribed all those years as a kid. That's how I learned to write, starting in, oh, I, we, we got that in the house. I was five, six years old when we started. Read it cover to cover every week. But then Bob Oates of the Los Angeles Times, he was one of the first guys I know of that interviewed scouts and GMs and the personnel departments. And it was more than just, you know, go to the press box and just write what you think. He, he really helped change sports, football, uh, journalism coverage. And then some of the beat writers on the LA Times when I was first on that beat, I loved Rich Roberts, a guy who covered the, uh, the Rams. And then Mark Heisler was covering the LA Raiders at the time. And then TJ Simers replaced Rich Roberts, <laughs> the, the all-time crazy, sarcastic, cynical TJ Summers. Makes me laugh just thinking about TJ. And then the Times, of course, had the great Jim Murray. You know, you could argue he's the greatest of all time, sports columnist. They had other guys. They had Bud Ferrillo and Chris Dufresne. And all this under Bill DeWire. And Bill DeWire, I remember in, when he was at the Journal, he would go cover the Class A State Basketball Championship game at the UW Fieldhouse. He wasn't above anything like that. And he loved the preps, as do I. And he would write the, the lead story. The high school writers probably weren't too happy about it, but Bill DeWire would swoop in and cover that. That's how big the game was in the state of Wisconsin at the time. Mike Downey was another columnist at the LA Times, Scott Osler. But, you know, the classic thing, T, was these guys could write the punchy lead. You know, it could be happy, sad, cynical, sarcastic, meaningful. But that's what, you know, you and I both, and when you're, that's what I did my whole career, writing a game story, the first graph, the lead, L-E-D-E, you're trying to make it sing, you want it punchy, and deadline or not, you had to do that first graph, man, and I learned a lot from reading these guys at the LA Times. They just had it going, and Dwyer hired great people. Um, the Rams played at the Big A in Anaheim, and I was there three times regular season, 85, 89, and 91. I was in the Coliseum twice for Raider games, 84 and 90. Um, I love the way John Robinson coached those Rams. I got to know him a little bit from 83 to 91. Um, and the Rams were good under George Allen and Chuck Knox and Ray Malavese. They made one Super Bowl. They kept running into the Viking, Vikings and Bud Grant. I remember as a kid listening to Packer Ram games with Blaine Walsh and Earl Gillespie and then Tony Canadeo on TV. So that's about it. The Rams with Tinseltown and I loved going out there and I saw my first uh, palm tree in 71 at that Rose Bowl. So it was always fun to go to the West Coast and then all those years when LA didn't have a team and I missed making those trips when they went to St. Louis. That's it, T. How, we how weird was it when they lost their team at that time? You know, I imagine that's nobody expected that they had lost the Raiders and then they lost, you know, the Rams to St. Louis. 
I don't know that anybody really cared. Yeah, they went to games, but there was no passion out there. You know, the passion was for maybe college football or the Dodgers with Vin Scully, but um, pro football. And as you're seeing it now with the Chargers, they're not supporting that team. There's nobody out there. They play the Steelers and the when the Packers oh go out there, it'll be 75% uh, Packer fans at SoFi for the Chargers. So yeah. there's so much going on out there, so much outdoor activity, sun and fun that I get it. And it was weird when they, when they lost it. I think it's just, yeah, that Steelers game was just unbelievable. I mean, believable, but to actually watch it and see the away team dominate the, the atmosphere like that. <laughs> I don't even think the Rams have a huge following. I mean, as good as they've been, it's, it's just different in LA. You know, I, I, I get it. The NFL, they want, it's, it's all about the, the bottom line. It's all about getting bigger, you know, more magnificent stadiums and luxury boxes and putting pressure on owners to build, 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 and go to run to these bigger markets. I think we're probably in agreement. I, I, I think turning your back on the organic market of a St. Louis, the organic market of even a San Diego, uh, I, I think you're losing something. You're losing some authenticity to your product that you're not going to get back. Um, and it's just sad. It's kind of sad. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'd like to see, I hope St. Louis gets a team too. Me too. They deserve one. It's uh, when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, man, that city was on fire just as a hockey fan watching that from afar. Um, Taking Ryan O'Reilly from the Buffalo Sabres. Another conversation. But Bob, how's life? Anything else? Anything else you want to add? Any more uh, Michigan gloating, celebrating? uh, I'm giving you the floor. We got a bye week coming, Tyler. We do. It's true. I just lost you, Bob. You so, with me? Yeah, I'm still with you. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I think uh, the good people will, uh, they may want something. You know, I was texting Mike Cohen. He wants to come on the podcast sometime. So we'll tease that out there. You know, I think a lot of people remember reading and listening to him. So let's bring Mike on for uh for a little blabbing sometime. Is there a way to have, we could see all three of us, you know? The miracles of Zoom, Bob. We can make it happen. <laughs> we can do it. I know nothing Pat's about help. Zoom. With Pat's help. <laughs> you hold right. my hand every Monday, Tyler. Thank you. Uh, well, I try. No, it's, it's, you're, doing, you're doing a great job. No, you really are. I'm. If you would have told me we'd be doing this, what, six, seven years ago, I would have told you you're nuts, so been a lot of fun and, and and thank you everybody for listening i mean you make it worth doing and the uh the feedback's been blowing us away every week so um thanks for listening sharing with a friend uh buying people subscriptions all that good stuff uh today last day of of november you can take advantage of our black friday deal if you're able to get somebody to subscribe we will send you a go long t-shirt which is cool. pretty nice bob owns one I love my sweatshirt, my go-long, Tyler. I wore it yesterday. We still got some hoodies left and some sweatshirts left, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll stir something up here soon with those. Today, my sweatshirt, my attire is my hoodie, my Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, hoodie, okay? I love it. There it is. Me too. Go JS. One of these days, I'll talk you into making these videos so everybody can see Bob again. They can they hear you, 
They want to see you, Bob. <laughs> I don't want them to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, let's sign off. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.